For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some access deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I venison.com and use promo code cal for 20 percent off your first order i'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill meat from those organs are among the most nutrient rich foods on the planet you can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. From Meat Eater's World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review with Ryan Cal Callahan. Now, here's Cal. Coming to you live from Portland, Maine, the We're Gonna Need a Bigger Boat Department. Researchers from O-Search have found what they call the Queen of the Ocean, a great white shark estimated to be 17 feet long, 3,541 pounds, and around 50 years old. Tagged off the coast of Nova Scotia on October 2nd, it's the largest shark O-Search has tagged in the Northwest Atlantic. The Shark Research Organization has a very popular and cool program where you can follow along with the research by tracking the sharks on their website, osearch.org. They named this one Nakumi for the legendary wise old grandmother figure of the Mi'kmaq people who have long lived and thrived in this part of the world. By any name, a shark like this one is a fearsome specimen. The average great white gobbles down about 11 tons of food per year meaning over the course of this old girl's life, she has hunted and eaten somewhere around 550 tons of seals, tuna, dolphins, whales, rays, other sharks, sea turtles, and pretty much anything else she could get her mouth on. It's estimated that great whites can live to 60 or perhaps 70 years old, so Nakumi still has plenty of time left in her. Certainly one of the factors that's helping sharks like this live long and grow huge is the remarkable recovery of the gray seal population. The gray seal population has exploded from record lows in the 70s to healthy populations in many areas along the coast. Nowhere is this more evident than on Cape Cod, where the seals have come back in abundance and with them record numbers of sharks. There have been a number of white shark attacks on humans off the Cape in recent years, including fatalities, and signs about shark warnings are as common as steamers during the summer. Many local striper fishermen say striped bass fishing, while still good, just ain't what it used to be. There could be a number of reasons for that, but seals get most of the blame. 
recently at TheMeatEater.com. Tom Keir wrote about the attacks on Cape Cod in an article titled Blood in the Water. And I gotta say, it didn't make me eager to take a dip. We're going to keep an eye on old Nakumi on osearch.org as she swims and eats her way along the Atlantic coast. This week, big sharks, fat bears, and picky eaters. But first, I'm going to tell you about my week. And my week, as well as this podcast, is sponsored by Steel Power Equipment. Steel, the brand that made flying with pruning shears a necessity. Seriously. I've been traveling with a pair of steel pruning shears in my checked baggage. Super handy when TSA puts those giant, super tough zip ties on your gun case, or when you're breaking down birds like ruffed grouse and woodcock. Pick up a pair today. When I don't travel with them, they're standing at the ready in my kitchen. This week, I traveled all the way to the state of Maine and checked back in with Brent West of the High Peaks Alliance and Shiloh Pond. I have to tell you, that old Shiloh Pond property that we all helped raise, just a touch over $70,000 to get out of Hawk and into the public domain, looks awfully, awfully pretty wearing her fall colors. A lone loon was, you know, looning about. Maple and oak leaves were flying high on the wind from a tall ridge to the pond's north. And, although I did not see them, a few brook trout were probably going about their spawning business somewhere on the pond's edge. It was good to check up on the place. If you don't remember, Maine is over 90% private land. The Shiloh property will be just a drop of public land in a big state. But it's just a good thing. It's a good thing to do. The property has a permanence to the people that will go out on the water for a paddle or take just that short walk around its shore. Although Maine has an incredible history of landowners allowing legal trespass on their lands for all types of recreation, which I sincerely hope continues forever, Having the pond in public hands, specifically for public use, just gave me the feeling of ease, I guess. Let me describe it like this. Imagine you are a month-to-month renter, and you come home one day after a long day's work, and you see like a for-sale sign on the property you're renting. That type of uneasiness. That's kind of uneasiness I get on some of these big chunks of private, even huge chunks of private ground we were on in Maine. By acquiring that Shiloh Pond property and keeping it specifically for public use, there is just a feeling of permanence. That's all I can say. But that's not all I checked out while in Maine. Brent showed me some standard October Maine pursuits. We hunted woodcock, ruffed grouse, mushrooms, and ducks. And we hunted all of them on private land. Because of Maine's de facto trespassing law, the private land we hunted is essentially open to the public, but it is still private. Owned by corporations or family trusts, we basically did as we pleased, just as if we were on U.S. Forest Service or BLM ground. No real difference. But here is what is different and what makes me want to be so protective over that U.S. Forest Service or BLM ground. There are gated roads with checkpoints in the main woods. Folks in warming huts taking fees to allow trespass in some areas. You can think, well, what's the difference between that and a national park? Well, it gets more complicated as some of these areas that have been known as, let's say, great moose or bear areas are then put up for lease and privatized, as in like no trespassing signs go up around their hunt areas, as are whole bodies of water. It's a pay-to-play system, which from a landowner perspective is still pretty darn generous. 
I cannot imagine this pays for maintenance and upkeep of the extensive road systems in these areas. Right now, the system that they have in the state of Maine seems to work pretty darn well, to be honest. There's a lot of access and hunting and fishing opportunity on that private land, but the situation seems very tenuous. Like I said, you could come back to your spot and see that trespassing sign, and that's all there is to it. Very excited to uh, get my first woodcock. It's a strange little bird. I had a bunch of listeners write in and even invite me to come woodcock hunting. Uh, I managed to knock a couple down this week. For those of you who need to know, which is everyone, the woodcock is a long-legged bird similar to a snipe, but slightly larger. Their primary feed are earthworms, and I found them to be quite greasy, tasty birds. Uh, Here's a few fun facts for you. The woodcock is a migratory bird that averages only 50 feet in elevation during its migratory flights. They have long, hinged bills, like the top part of the bill has some flex in it which is unique. Imagine a pair of tweezers with a little extra range of motion on one side. Their eyes are abnormally set far back in the rear of their heads. Their noses are on just the very base of the bill, and their ears are in between that. Their brains are also oriented upside down, you could say. They have two unique calls, and they even fan out their hind feathers and strut, almost like a tiny turkey. Very cool. The ruffed grouse is the other species that we busted through the main brush to find. Very, very cool bird. A male ruffed grouse, once it finds a place to drum, its drumming log will spend the rest of its life no further than 800 feet from that drumming log, which is, you know, quite unique. That, uh, that little stack got a couple of inquisitive looks from some of the Mainers I was hanging out with, so if there's some rough grouse biologists out there, please let me know. I have to say, absolutely gorgeous birds, and hunting them the way that we were with pointing dogs and hiking through the brush is no easy task. You end up shooting a lot of trees in the state of Maine, I found. All right, moving on. And, you know, keep in mind, I gotta wrap this up before I board this flight. Now on to the most truly American contest ever created, Katmai National Park's annual Fat Bear Week. And bother. I'm stuck. Oh dear. Well, it all comes from eating too much. You heard that right. One of Alaska's most famous bear viewing parks holds a tournament every year to determine the chunkiest Bruin. Katmai was established in 1918 in part to help protect important habitat for salmon and thousands of brown bears. So, what the hell? Why not have some fun with it? This annual elimination tournament began in 2014 as a trendy social media stunt and a way to celebrate these healthy bears as they binge on migrating sockeye salmon before heading toward hibernation. Want to keep track of these bears from your couch? You can visit the park's bear cam webpage to watch the bears splash around in the Brooks River. Earlier in July, the bear cam that looks in on Brooks Falls had 25 bears on screen at once. These bears were in the coveted, quote, jacuzzi below the falls, which Katmai describes as a sort of plunge pool where the bears can simply sit and wait for the fish to come close enough to grab. Fans of the tournament can check in on the fatness of their favorite bears live and in color. You'll want to know all of the various fishing styles Katmai lists for the bears, which includes stand and wait, sit and wait, dash and grab, snorkeling, pirating, diving, and, of course, begging. 
All they need is a drive-through window, and they'll be set. Twelve bears were chosen this year with names like Chunk, Walker, Otis, and Grazer to battle it out for the ultimate hyperphagic eater. I know what you're thinking. How do they weigh the bears? I'm surely not going to volunteer to coax one onto a scale. Well, this season was the first time the park was able to gauge the actual weight of the bears by using a 3D scanner. This year's winner was a big, fat bear named 747, weighing in at 1,400 pounds. The park posted the news on their Twitter account saying, The votes are in. You've crowned the Earl of Wardopo's Bear 747, the 2020 Fat Bear Week champion. No longer the runner-up, 747 fulfills the fate of the fat and fabulous as he heads off to hibernation. Old 747 received more than 47,300 votes, fending off Chunk, who weighed in at a whopping 1,100 pounds and got 21,900 votes. On this show, we don't promote feeding bears, but watching them feed on webcam, naming them, weighing them with a 3D scanner, making a tournament, and voting for the fattest in an online contest? Well, I guess that's okay. It's a little weird, but we'll let it slide. Whatever we have to do to bring attention to our wild places and the animals that call them home, I can make some excuses for. Got to get these uh, COVID kids locked in on Zoom and video games, a little taste of the outdoors somehow, some way. But keep in mind, live and in-person bear viewing can be a great way for people of all ages to get a chance to safely enjoy these big, bold, and beautiful Bruins, while also adding an important piece to the economic puzzle in Alaska. Fat bears can be fun at a respected distance. For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam motor treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. I guarantee you've listened to them because I use it you know, regularly. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. 
Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Next, we're heading to the reproduction desk, where age is just a number and size definitely matters. The oldest known sperm in the world has been discovered locked in a piece of solidified amber. I know what you're thinking. Cal, isn't that just the plot of Jurassic Park? Yeah, I know, but sometimes Hollywood kind of gets something right. In this case, the giant sperm comes from a minuscule creature called an ostracod, also known as a, quote, seed shrimp. Kind of fitting. Ostracods typically grow just a few tenths of an inch long. Their bodies are protected by a bivalve shell from which tiny crab-like appendages sometimes protrude. They typically boast giant, relatively speaking, sperm cells that are much longer than they are to the tune of 0.46 inches. So, if I'm doing my math right, these sperm are up to four times bigger than the tiny creature that produces and expels them. Though there are thousands of ostracod species around today, the giant sperm found inside a disc of amber about the size of a postage stamp in a mine in northern Myanmar is from the Cretaceous period, 100 million years ago. It's the oldest, unambiguous example of any animal sperm by 50 million years. There were a total of 39 ostracods found in the resin, 31 of which belong to a never-before-seen species now called Myanmar Cypress Hui. Paleontologist and a postdoctoral researcher at the Chinese Academy of Science named He Wang was the first to reconstruct a three-dimensional image of the sperm. Put your childish humor away. He sent it to an ostracod expert and paleontologist at the Ludwig Maximilian University of Munich who immediately congratulated him on having reconstructed the oldest animal sperm. For Wang and others in the field, this is incredibly exciting stuff, and there is so much to learn going forward. For now, let's just sit back and wonder at how hard it must have been for Ostracod to mate. Think about it. How do... Well, anyway, we'll just focus on the science and not the sex here. That's what's important. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Moving on to the picky eater desk, or you could say that's pretty gross desk. Introducing Thailand's small banded kukri snake and its unique feeding method on the local toad population. Way back in 2016, herpetologists were studying snakes in Thailand, the same place that sends trash back to campers with a nice note. They came across an interesting technique for how the kirki gets its meal. The small banded kirky is found in relatively large numbers in the forests of Cambodia, Laos, southeastern Myanmar, Thailand, and Vietnam, with their typically light brown or buff to gray brown color and irregular dark brown crossbands which are edged in black. According to new research published this month in the journal Herpetozoa and republished on SmithsonianMag.com, the scientists observed the snakes as they used a set of enlarged, curved teeth to the back of its jaws to make a slice on the left side of the large, poisonous toad's belly. The snake's head swung from side to side as it made the incision and then, slowly, plunged entirely inside the toad's body and pulled out the unfortunate amphibian's liver, heart, lung, and stomach. The snake then proceeded to eat the toad's organs one by one. 
in case you're wondering, this feeding behavior is different than any other snake ever described. Normally, snakes swallow their prey whole, but that isn't the case here. This is a quote. During those macabre attacks, we managed to capture on camera three times. The toad struggled vigorously to escape and avoid being eviscerated alive, but on all occasions, this was in vain. The fights we saw lasted for up to a few hours, depending on the organs the snake would pull out first. Thankfully, these snakes are relatively harmless to humans. I say relatively because while not poisonous, small banded kerky can slice you open really good while also injecting an anticoagulant agent that'll make you bleed like crazy. Kirky's teeth are designed to inflict lacerations, not punctures, which would make a bad day for us, but they produce some horrific deaths for these toads, as the snakes spend hours ripping out their organs. Maybe I should have saved this one for a Halloween-type special. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. I know this is a short one. As per usual, let me know what I'm getting right, let me know what I'm getting wrong, and more importantly, let me know what's going on in your neck of the woods by writing in to A-S-K-C-A-L, that's askcal at themeateater.com. I'll talk to you next week. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance Axis deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some Axis deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I venison.com and use promo code cal for 20 percent off your first order i'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet you can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.